Outlet Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Well, hello and welcome to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Sam Howes, editor of Premier Christianity magazine. That's the magazine that sponsors this show and makes it all possible. Today, we've got a double bill for you. Simon Tuck has been in conversation with a couple of Christian musicians. Later on, you'll be hearing from Jacqueline Carr, the well-known gospel singer, about some of her life, faith and testimony. But before that, we've got Chris Eaton for you. Chris has developed a profile as one of Britain's classic songwriters. He has written all sorts of well-known classics, including Sir Cliff Richard's Saviour's Day, which reached number one in the UK singles chart in 1990. He's also worked with a host of other songwriters, including Jessica Simpson, Janet Jackson, Donna Summer and Michael Bull. So without any further ado, let's dive into this interview. This is Premier Simon Tuck in conversation with Chris Eaton. So at the age of 16, yeah. what gave you that defining moment then to, to turn to Christ? Um, I was thinking, I was brought up in a Christian home. My parents were both believers and we went to an Anglican church. In fact, I, I started playing piano, uh, learning piano when I was about six, um, had about six, seven years piano lessons, got to a point where I was sick to death of doing scales and arpeggios and, and playing to music. And, and I wanted to just kind of do my own thing. And I think as I started discovering playing by ear and really enjoying the way I, that that kind of could speak to me that really went alongside uh, an opening of my spiritual heart i think to everything that i'd already known i was actually confirmed in the church when i was 12 so i guess i guess i was kind of you know dotting the i's and crossing the t's of my spiritual walk but in a the way my parents would have wanted me to and like any teenager i just was like no nah, this isn't for me and i went did my own thing and you know i needed the freedom to feel like I didn't have to live my life in that, in that sort of very, I don't know, um, pristine way. Um, I wanted to be free to sin, like uh, I fancied sinning, really. Um, and then I kind of soon realized that, that actually God was, you know, that the, the message of the gospel was, was not about cleaning up the dirt. It was, it was about um, allowing the personality of Christ to be, in a relationship with me and the person of Christ. So actually the way God saw me was clean anyway, no matter how dirty I felt. And, I, and I, that was pretty mind blowing to a 16 year old. You know, I was like, how could this be possible? You know, I know what a rotten egg I am. And, and to actually kind of come to terms with what was the heart of the gospel message for me. I always knew um, about, you know, biblical truths and, and I'd been singing in the church choir for, for many, many years and loved that actually. And I think I learned a lot um, just subliminally singing anthems and hymns, old, ancient and modern. And, you know, it kind of got into the, got into the spirit, but um, it needed a face-to-face um, relationship with God for, for me to actually realize that I needed God in a very personal way. And uh, so I made a decision to, to follow Jesus and to, and it was very real, you know, it was very, very real. I remember going to the front and, um, you know, just put my hand up and, and saying, okay, I'm going to do it. And, 
but it was interesting because there was a for, for a 16 year old the differences in my life were, were things like okay i'm not going to drink three pints a night anymore uh i'm gonna my language is going to change into pleasant english uh rather than whatever expletives were in there before you know these things that ultimately don't really matter but matter to a 16 year old and it, it changed it changed the way i viewed life that i really i really had a calling on my life i always felt simon actually that i had a calling in music even before i'd really committed my life to christ i knew that music was something i wanted to do for a living um and i've never got to the point where i try to work it out it was just going to happen or not happen but then when i became a christian i really sensed that my writing was changing i was actually trying to write songs that were an expression of my excitement about my faith and and that i remember praying actually that i would always write songs about god at that time um and what i didn't realize was that in that naive first year or two i my interpretation was of that was like every song had to have the word jesus in it and you know, and now, obviously, <laughs> 40 years later, or whatever, you realize that, that actually God's imprint is on so many amazing songs and aspects of faith. And um, so you can really write about anything and yeah. still write from a perspective of hope and sympathy and understanding. And that's something that I've really tried to follow all through my writing. So, so who were, so those, those are early days. Um, yeah. And we, we, we always have those influences of people who write music around us. Who are the, some of those peers and who are some of those people that you were looking to in those early, early years? You've become a Christian, you're writing. Who are you emulating or who are you looking at and thinking, wow, do you know what I mean? They, those, these people are having a real big influence on me. Um, I think my musical influences um, were really quite broad at that point. I was really into uh, Stevie Wonder. I was really into Hall and Oates. They were like my favorite. Daryl Hall was like my favorite singer ever. Um, I went to see uh, Hall and Oates and Billy Joel in two different concerts at the Wolverhampton City Hall when I was in my teens. And they both influenced me incredibly. I thought that Billy Joel was like the best piano player I'd ever seen. Uh, I loved the Stranger album, thought it was incredible. And I started to play the Stranger album just, just on my own, you know, without notes or anything, just kind of like emulating the way he played it. Um, back in the day, I mean, even when I was younger than that, I used to love, you know, the Beatles. And um, I became a very big Steely Dan fan. Uh, I was always been into sort of West Coast, LA, uh, you know, Christopher Cross, great produced albums, um, great musical albums. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't really a rocker, to, so to speak. Although, having said that, my first ever album was Fireball by Deep Purple. And, um, and in fact, I, I used to play that to Bo when he was about four, because it was kind of back in my life again. And I absolutely loved it. You know, Smoke on the Water is like his favorite song. And, um, and I was also into Yes. Now, Yes, we're a progressive rock band who were incredibly talented uh, individually. There were four of them you would put the, all of them in the top of their own category, bass, drums, keyboards, and uh, guitars and vocals. And, um, and they, they were so uh, extraordinary to me because they, were, they had energy and attitude in their musicality, but they're incredibly musical and incredibly spiritual. 
And I remember sort of before I was really a committed Christian writing, you know, God is good all over my <laughs> album covers of Yes back in the, whatever it was, 1972 or something. And, and that, the beautiful way they use music and atmospheres incredibly uh, influenced me and still does, to be honest. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I often go back to, to those early Yes albums and, um, you know, I, well, I originally mentioned Stevie Wonder. and I think Songs in the Key of Life was a huge album for me. Um, but all of these, uh, you know, this music, interestingly enough, isn't Christian music. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Simon and Garfunkel, I was mad keen on Simon. I loved their music, you know, Sound of Silence. And I think one of my favorite songs in the whole wild world is Bridge Over Troubled Water. I wish I'd written it, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, although there is a story there. Um, but I, um, yeah, so the fact was I'd become a Christian and music in my heart was changing in terms of what I, how I wanted to express it and how I wanted to leave a mark on the world. I really felt like God from that moment was saying, look, I've got you here for a reason. Yeah. Um, you know, I met Sir Cliff Richard at a, a big Christian event when I was young, when I was 16. Um, he noted my talent. He, he'd heard some songs that I'd written even at that early age. And, you know, to cut a long story short, he ended up um, asking me for a, like my favorite songs and my best songs, a tape. So I made this tape wow. of five songs. Uh, it was such an incredible time of God in my life because um, I'd just come out of insurance, believe it or not. So that's uh, what you, so you, when you left school, you went into yeah. insurance? Yeah. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I got a chance to go to uni after uh, A-levels, but um, my father was a uh, building society manager, had been for many, many years. His, fate, his kind of one of his good friends was head of Eagle Star Insurance Company. So they got me a job, yeah. um, which, all, which allowed me to kind of, that would be my day job. And then at night I would write. And then I got into various bands uh, when I was 16, 17, 18, uh, you know, and... I was in a band called the Mark Williamson band, actually, many moons ago. And Mark and myself were great friends. And we were very, very um, active Christian band, one of the early Christian rock bands. You know, we did Greenbelt on a number of occasions. Um, we played fun music that was filled with truth. And it was just a fantastic time. We had a great time doing it. And probably ate more curries in a year than I've ever eaten. Um, but it was just, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful time. And then suddenly... Um, I was asked by a guy called Dave Pope, who many people know, who's um, worked with uh, sort of mission work with Operation Mobilization. Um, and then in the end, um, Dave was signed to Word as a, as a recording artist. And Cliff Richard recorded an album that Dave sang on. And Dave was using some of my songs. So that's how I kind of got through to Cliff, or he got through to me. And uh, I had no way, when he, when he said to me, I need to hear five of your best songs. For a start off, it, it, you know, this is not some, you can imagine this is like Cliff at the height of his career, you know, coming to this little guy from Sedgley in the, in the West Midlands, you know. And, um, and I had no way of recording those. I mean, I didn't have a reel-to-reel. -reel. I had no tape machine. There was no, nothing, you know. So um, on that, Dave Pope tour, literally a week after Cliff had said I could do with these songs, um, 
I went out for a curry after a gig in, at St. David's Hall in Cardiff and met a guy called Rob Andrews. Now, Rob uh, became a dear friend and owns a 24-track studio in Herefordshire. And Rob was just an absolute darling. And without Rob knowing anything about my conversation with Cliff, he heard me sing that night and he said, um, have you, do you do any recording? And I said, not really. And he said, well, listen, I've got a 24 track studio. If ever you want to come down and, and do a few songs, I'll put a band together for you. You can do it for free. And I was like, wow, this wow. is amazing. So I told him the story about Cliff and he said, oh yeah, absolutely. He said, come down for a weekend and I'll put the band together and we'll record five songs and send them to Cliff. So you can imagine it was, just, I was so excited about that. And, this was a full, you know, full band, professional guys that obviously Rob paid at the time. And um, we did the tape, sent it off to Cliff. I had a letter back from Jill Snow, his secretary, who said, um, Cliff's received the tape and I've given it to him. And I'm sure that we'll get in touch with you if there's any news. So I, at the time, I was this sort of 19-year-old, dead excited. I thought, yeah, this is it. You know, this is God's like purpose for me. And, Anyway, Simon, nothing happened. Um, I heard nothing for 18 months. Wow. Now, I could, I'm sure you can imagine at that age, that began to be slightly frustrating yeah. uh, from a spiritual point of view as well, because I, I felt like I'd given my life to God and God had suddenly opened up this amazing door. Yeah. And, and I was, I'm thinking, well, were the songs that bad that he doesn't even want to get back to me, you know? And... Um, it was just, it was just amazing. And during that 18 months, I took on various part-time jobs so that I could do my music on weekends. Um, I drove a taxi uh, locally. Um, I drove a beer truck delivering beer to various breweries and I worked in a fruit shop. And during that time, that was just to get a bit of pocket money really so that I could go out and play gigs on the weekend. But all this time, Simon, I was getting more and more frustrated really with God and uh, one day out of the blue um, I went to my local church which is Himley Road Methodist Church in Gornal in Dudley and um, and I don't know who the minister was that night but it was just one of those nights when you feel like God is speaking specifically to you yeah and uh, and it was a, a life-changing moment for me because I I, uh, I knew that God was saying to me look let it go don't you trust me? And I was sort of shouting. I really was shouting, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, you know, and, and I got really upset. And in the end, I went home and I was really um, just felt a heaviness to let it all go before God. And I was able to do that that night. And I, I actually prayed a simple prayer. I was like, Lord, if you wanted me to be a whatever, you know, window cleaner, I, I will do it for you because I know that, you know, you are my Lord, you're my God, you've saved me. And you have the best for me. Yeah. And, and I was able to sleep peacefully that night. Three days later, I get a phone call from Cliff's secretary. Um, Do you remember those songs? She said. And I said, yes. And she said, well, I just wanted to let you know that Cliff is going to record four. Four. Four of the five songs on the tape. And it was just, and in the end, two of them went on to be recorded on uh, Wired for Sound which were my first two big songs that were recorded. I called Summer Rain and Lost in a Lonely World. 
Wired for Sound became Cliff's biggest album to date. Um, and I signed a publishing deal for three years to write exclusively for Cliff. And Cliff got in touch with me immediately after that and, and just basically said, look, um, you know, I have a real sense that these, you're the first Christian that I feel I can use your songs on my pop albums, um, which was a massive deal for Cliff because he'd always done the gospel music separately. He'd had his pop world and he had his gospel world where he did his tear fund tours. And it was almost like just near the twain shall meet, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like his pop people almost were like, well, you go ahead and do your gospel thing. But this, the real deal is your pop is who you are as a pop star, you know? And, and I never believed that. I always believed that people are people and, um, whatever their faith is that, you know, that plays a huge part in their, in their songs and in their career, whether they're singing about God directly or about love or so when Cliff hears uh, summer rain, um, he realizes that it's got Christian connotations, but it's also a love song and he's, he's confident that he can release it. Yeah. Um, so, he, and he said to me, look, Chris, I want, I want to get you out of insurance. I want to get you out of driving taxis. Can I just say, you're not meant to be on this earth to be doing that. So, um, you know, that there the relationship began. Yeah. And that, uh, we this are, is like when you were 19. Yeah. Wow. So this is like 79, 80. Wow. And, um, and I, then the next, next record that I, that Cliff recorded, uh, was called now you see me now you don't. Yeah. Uh, I had three songs on that album. Uh, I, one of which was little town, which was my first, ever Christmas hit, yeah. um, which I actually instantly actually wrote when I was 17. So I, I wrote Little Town three years previously and I'd had the demo of it for ages, just a piano vocal. And, uh, and Cliff just fell in love with it and said, yeah, I think this is a smash hit, you know, so. Um, Isn't that amazing though, how God had led you to a point and in a very short period in time when you'd given your life to him, suddenly, got to step in even further and, and, and sharpened you really quite quickly mm. and yet put people in, in there for you as well. Life hasn't always been easy though. You mentioned this a little bit earlier when you said there were a few, you had a few troubles, but God has seen you through them. Mm. Would there be a moment where you could share that when it, your faith was tested, where there was a moment where actually this is a bit rubbish actually, but God was still there, even though it was a bit rubbish. Um, well, I think, yeah, without getting too much into it, um, just harping back slightly to when I first met that guy, Rob Andrews in Hereford, who gave me the opportunity to record that same weekend, I met a young lady, uh, called Jill and we fell in love and got married, uh, three years after that in 1982. And for a while we were very happy and everything seemed to be fine. Um, I think I probably had a little, uh, well, a big lack of understanding, uh, possibly to her needs in terms of the beginning of the marriage because she was a nurse and I was a traveling musician and was very, uh, you know, into what I was doing. And, and I was trying to be as gracious as I could with her. But at the same time, I think, I think there, was an, there must have been an element of insecurity that, that came in early on in that relationship, we were very young. And, um, but uh, unfortunately we ended up going our separate ways. It was, um, 
it was not something that I wanted and I was heartbroken by it. Um, I mean, absolutely devastated, I suppose, really, at that, at that yeah. time. Um, and it really did test my faith. And Jill was a Christian as well. Um, and, you know, certain things have just driven us apart. And, um, you know, it, we just allowed it to get out of hand. And, uh, and there was no going back. Eventually, you know, there, there was a big trying time. There was a time of probably four or five years when we stayed together and tried to make it work. But um, to a degree, once the damage was done, it was, and that little bit of trust had gone, um, very hard to get that back, you know. Um, so as much as I was brought up without believing in divorce, it was something that had to happen. And uh, through the grace of God, you know, we both moved on and we're both happily married in a new relationship. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm with the most amazing lady in the world with a beautiful boy and, you know, testament to God's grace. Um, yes. Uh, but how, did you feel you had support from the church during this time? Was it more no. about your relationship with God? or Because surely even at that time, divorce must have been in the church was pretty like, mm, you don't talk about no. it. And then get it, suddenly get married again. Mm, we don't talk about it really. Is that, is that something that you feel has changed over time as well? I think uh, I did, I did get support, certainly not official support. There were, there were plenty of friends that I knew who still loved us both and that they found it very, very hard to take sides, but they were incredibly supportive of me. And, and I suppose in a way, my, um, my relationship with Nashville, which I've not mentioned until now, became all the more important at that point. Because at the time that we had to split up, um, I'd been recording my first album in Nashville and I'd, I'd really, I'd met Amy Grant, um, who I was you know, a big fan of and then ended up being like brothers and sister. You know, we, we became very, very good friends. I'd, I recorded my first album with her record label and her management became very, very dear friends of mine and their families. And I spent a lot of time in Nashville and that, that may have uh, possibly added to the lack of communication that, that we'd gone through in our marriage. But the reality was they saw the side of me that, that God was really using in music and how people were responding to that and how excited I was and how much was actually going on around it all. I mean, it was, it was really a whirlwind for me. I mean, this, this first album that I recorded called Vision, we had a huge budget. I mean, we're not talking you know, Christian album uh, with 10 grand if we're lucky. You know, this was $250,000 album. Um, it had uh, the most amazing players on it that, that I dreamed of playing with. You know, that, I, I, that were in Toto, that were in Michael Jackson. Um, you know, you, you're talking a who's who of, of the greatest musicians on the planet playing on my record and, um, and my songs, you know, the, purely my songs. I'd never co-written at that point. So all 10 songs were sort of hand chosen as my best 10. Um, and it was due to be a pop album. I mean, it was released in Christian music. Um, but at that time, I, my friendships deepened extraordinarily with the people in Nashville. Nashville became a second home to me. So when things went finally pear-shaped in my home life in, uh, in England, I found the support of those guys in Nashville was huge because they would never have wanted me to go through what I went through or Jill, 
for that matter. But they were like, look, you've got a job to do here. You know, don't give up on who you are. Um, no matter what, you know, and all of us go through relationship problems and, and some more than others. And, it, and it's something that is very rife even now. I mean, through the lockdown, I mean, gosh, I hope we enjoy our partner because we're spending a heck of a lot of time with him. <laughs> and, um, you know, needs a lot of grace to understand the other person's point of view and needs. Um, but I think what, was, what I felt through it all was I can't do anything about this. You know, I can't fix this. But God has not let go of me. God has not turned his back on what he wants for my life. And I've got to re, you know, align myself yeah. with his plan and, and not yeah. spend however long, you know, years in mourning or disillusionment thinking, well, it didn't work out. You know, that dream just didn't happen. Um, I don't believe God is in the, in the business of giving us dreams and taking them away. Yeah. I, think, I think God wants us to learn from our experiences and end up with a dream that's his dream yeah. for us. Which Do you is, think that made you more conscious of when you entered into a relationship for the second time? Absolutely. 100%. Um, I remember what an old lady said to me uh, when I was struggling after my divorce um, about where God was. And she uh, gave me a, a, a Bible reference, which was Isaiah 43. And, um, and I wrote a song called Something New. Uh, when you pass through the waters, I shall, I'll, I will be with you. I'll watch over you uh, when you walk through the valleys. And, and, and it's like, um, I want to do deep within you something new. So don't dwell on the past. You know, the past is there. It's there for a reason. We have to accept it and we can carry it. But if we carry it too heavily and we don't give it to God, it will weigh us down. But if we give it, give it to God, we can learn from it and move on. And Something New became a song that, although I wrote it for other people, it became a song that actually turned around and ministered to me every time I sang it and still does. You're listening to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Sam Howes, editor of the magazine that sponsors this show, and that is Premier Christianity magazine. If you would like a free sample copy of our latest issue, just head to premierchristianity.com, type in your address, and we'll send you the print edition, the latest one, direct to your doorstep, completely free of charge. premierchristianity.com The Profile You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Welcome back to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Sam Howes, editor of Premier Christianity magazine. That's the magazine that sponsors this show and makes it all possible. If you're enjoying these interviews, you would love the magazine. We've got interviews, features, reviews, news, fantastic columnists and so much more. So why not request a copy of the mag completely free of charge right now at premierchristianity.com. In part two of the profile today, Premier's very own Simon Tuck has been in conversation with Jacqueline Carr. Jacqueline is a Grammy nominee and Dove award-winning independent recording artist. She's also a speaker, entrepreneur, actress and author. She's best known for her hits including You're Bigger and You Will Win. She's based in America but connected with Simon over Zoom. So let's listen in to their conversation. Nominated for awards left right and center winner of gma dove awards um jacqueline carr good how are you i'm well how are you 
really, really, really well. Let me start by asking you a quote from your website, um, jacaylincar.com. Understanding who you are makes you a winner. What are you saying? What are you trying to say? You know, one thing I've understood is that the enemy can only, only attack you um, in those areas where you are, you know, you're not knowledgeable about. So if you don't know of your true identity and who you are, it is impossible for you to access the life of a winner. You know, so many times we go through life and we see a lot and what we're up against and what we're facing, we become complacent with that. We feel like it doesn't get any better than that. And that is the enemy trying to rob you of your identity because he is an opposer. He knows that you're supposed to live a life like you are a child of the king, a life of royalty, which starts in your mind, a life of, you know, fulfillment, prosperity, peace. And so with that being said, you have to begin to ask God, who am I in you? In his word, he shows us, he tells us what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to live as his children so that we can live our lives according to his words and his plans. How have you learned that in such a short space of time? Um, honestly, how do you know that to be real for you? You know, first, to see your first question, it has definitely been all God. Some things, you know, only the spirit can reveal. Um, and then secondly, once we begin to apply that word, my family and I, we begin to see God move and um, my life just completely shift for the better. Everything just, I, I, I just, I can't really, really put it into words of how much of a 360 my life had done because, you know, God downloading a revelation as that um, and then us applying it because sometimes you can know it but if you don't apply it what good does it do for you and so um, you know listening to God's instructions and acting upon it, it, it I, my, I am who I am on today. You spoke about family there and I know you've got siblings as well how do you get on with them? Oh very well my family um, basically it's a family business. I have my own family record label, Lungy Al Music Group, our own uh, publishing company, which is Algelon Publishing. So it's basically a family empire. Um, everybody working their prospective places to make the dream work. And uh, yeah, everybody is just, just uh, have the ultimate goal in mind. And that is purpose. That is to bless God's people. Family is obviously very important to you. Who is it in your family, though, that strikes you as the person that you think, wow, I just I just love listening from them and I love hearing from them. Uh, who is that family member? It's definitely my parents. Um, they always uh, speak life and, and words of wisdom into myself, along with my siblings and just teaching us the values of life uh, in general. And it's because of that, you know, that I'm really able to see the fruit that I see and, and the things that God has caused me to do, because I feel like if your foundation isn't strong, um, it's impossible for you to have longevity at what you do. And because of the foundation, the teachings from my parents, it has really allowed me to be able to accomplish the things that God has allowed me to do so and go as far as he's taken me. Yeah. And, and God has used you from a very early age. And so you must have known faith literally from day one, right? 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Day one. Um, so I started singing at the age of five years old and speaking at the age of 13. Um, I was that little girl that every time I, <laughs> I turned around, I was creating myself a stage, a platform at home or wherever I was creating a choir. And I would, and I would, you know, sing and, and direct because that, that was, I knew that was just my passion. I couldn't escape it. Every time I turned around, I was singing something or doing something uh, related to my purpose. On YouTube, we can watch a video of yourself uh, singing at a Benny Hinn. You were like 11, right? Singing Eyes on the Sparrow. Yes, I was. I was 11 years old then. And that was just like an amazing experience uh, for me. And, and that was literally right before everything, maybe two years before everything took off for me. Um, it was like, God was like, I want to show you a glimpse of where I'm taking you to. And so he did. <laughs> now I'm ministering and, and, you know, going to places and, and just doing what I love to do. Do you imagine that you're doing everything now that you're meant to be doing or there's a glimpse of maybe what God has got in store for the future? Well, I believe that this is something that I will probably always be doing until God says otherwise. Now, there's other gifts that, you know, are on the inside of me that I am actually tapping into and have tapped into. And you will see more about that, like uh, cosmetic line, entrepreneurship. Um, what else? Uh, just, just other things that I'm working on outside of uh, singing and um, speaking. Yeah, and you obviously you're doing a course as well at the moment via your website. I did uh, principles to winning e course. That's a course where I give people in depth information and principles on how they can win. Um, a lot of times, you know, we know that we're winners, but very few of us know how to live the life of a winner. And in this e course, I talk about winning in faith, winning in the marketplace, winning in finance. It's just many areas to teach you how to win in. And one thing I realized is. In every season, you're going to face challenges, of course, but just because you take a blow, just because you get knocked down, that doesn't mean you have to stay down. And so this information is to help you, you know, get back up again, give you that, that push, that motivation that you need to make sure that you still live in your winning season. And that's a challenge, isn't it? Because this is a season when everybody isn't um, in a great place completely because of that, there may be fear abounding, there may be all sorts of things, worries of finance because of jobs with lockdown and things. How, how has God spoken to you in the past about a time when perhaps you were at your lowest, when God rescued you from that point? 
You know, I definitely, I definitely understand. Um, and for me and my family, one thing we've learned how to do is that, you know, despite how difficult it is, because it's very difficult to do so, but you have to constantly and daily cultivate your atmosphere, um, creating an atmosphere that produce or that's conducive for miracles. Um, because one thing you have to understand is in life, we face challenges, we face things and it doesn't feel good. But what, what, what do we do? What, to, to, to make sure that we progress and we come out of that place. We have to begin to speak God's word and put his word into the atmosphere. Why? Because miracles responds to his word. You know, our breakthrough, our, our deliverance, whatever we need re responds to his word. And so that's what we have to do and still have to do and what I encourage others to do even in this place. There's a lot going on, but there is power in the word of God and his word never fails fail and it won't ever fail. Now you've uh, done some collaborations. Um, how was it with Travis Green? It was great when he presented me with the song. You know, it was definitely up my alley. I'm all about encouraging people, empowering people, even through music. And so it was awesome. It was fun. We had a little church, so it was good. <laughs> you ready? say are your musical influences right now who is it um, it's definitely my family. I come from a singing family. Um, and, and so, yeah, my mom and her sisters and family used to travel all the time singing. But I would say people, um, I love the legends. Um, I love Pastor Shirley Caesar. I love the uh, evangelist Dorothy Norwood, uh, Pastor Dunn McClunkin, uh, Donald Lawrence. I mean, I love the legends in general. Uh, they're always great. And, and I think what I love to see about them the most is their longevity, to see how they're still pushing and still going. And just as, just, just as great as they was then, if not better. Collaboration, perhaps, with one of your, your gospel faves? I would love to do a collab with the Winans. <laughs> one of your covers, or would you want to cover one of those? Um, it really doesn't matter. It, I, I mean, either I can write the song or they can. It doesn't matter. I just always wanted wanted to do a collab with. Um, yeah, and they are just tremendous, aren't they? And and a lesson learned from again, like you said, their longevity in 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 those things as well. So, uh, uh, Jacqueline, we we get in the car and we we go for a drive. Um, it's going to be a little while, and you open your Spotify playlist, right? Who are the top five people I need to be listening to? For me, it's probably John P. Key, uh, DJ Cadden, Jay Moss, <laughs> Ja'Kalen Carr. <laughs> of course. Um, well, <laughs> and probably Hezekiah Walker. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we want some snacks, right? I, I look over to you, I'm driving you, um, and I say to you, man, have you bought the snacks? And then you open your bag, and what are the things that we're going to be munching on? Um, ooh, 
I would probably have to say the spicy nacho Doritos, <laughs> um, green tea, Lipton uh, tea, diet, the diet one, um, and a Belvita cookie. Oh. I'm a little boring with, my, boring with my snacks, but that's what it is. <laughs> if God is saying something at this time, what is he saying to people, do you think? You know, my message has definitely been that God is changing our story. Um, as we st- spoke upon this earlier, and we, I mean, we're, we're, we're up against a lot. You know, things in our community, just going on in our world in general, the entire pandemic. And then on top of that, people are facing things within their very own households. And so I want you to understand that though this may be a part of our story, it is not the end of our story. We as a people have to join together and keep pushing and keep fighting because this is not our promise. I believe that there's so much that God has in store for us. And I declare that God is strengthening your faith and that God is causing you to extend your faith, to believe him for whatever it is you are in need of. Don't get complacent where you are just because, you know, it's dysfunctional. That doesn't mean you have to get used to it. No, you begin to push past and to say, no, there's a promise that God has made me. There is a word that's over my life and I'm not going to stop until I see it manifest in my life. Begin to lay hands on your children, on your ministry, your health, your finances, your money, everything that has to do with you. And you begin to speak to it, speak God's word over it, and you command it to, to, to follow your voice and to begin to operate according to God's word. Because guess what? God is changing your story. Amen. Uh, what do you do that's non-church related, like for fun. What do you do? Do you like the cinema or what is it? So for me, I love ATV riding. Um, I love horseback riding. Um, I love a good movie. Uh, so yeah, I love movie night. Um, and I'm, I'm very simple with that. Uh, I, I love getting pampered, things of that nature. and love spending time with my family. So those are probably like, probably my yeah. top. In the top. No, totally. And, and, do you have your own horse? Do you go do you go riding daily or do you? So, yes, I do have my own horse. I actually, um, beforehand, I would go riding. Um, but now I just got my new baby. His name is Bentley. <laughs> oh, is this your first horse or this is like your first, first owned horse? This is my second one. Okay. Yes. Oh, oh and um, that is brilliant. I, and it's good to have something that you can just clear your head. And you've got some beautiful places to ride, though. Absolutely. Well, I actually have my own um, land and own place to ride. So that's, that's just great. Now, are you based in Memphis itself or nearby? And has Memphis been a big influence musically to you as well? So I'm from Memphis. Um, and I'm now in Atlanta, Georgia. And Memphis was great. It's a great place. I mean, Memphis has so much talent. Um, and then I recently moved to Atlanta about five years ago. And it's been going amazingly well. Like, it's very convenient for my traveling. And, uh, yeah, it's just, just the breath of fresh air at the same time. But nice to go home. Some, nice to go back to Memphis sometimes. Definitely. All the time. Um, maybe every few weeks. I do. Yeah, no, it's good, isn't it? Good to go um, um, and visit and maybe family is still there and, and things like that as well. So um, and that's always good. Right. Jacqueline, you are in the top 50 in Premier Gospels chart this weekend. Uh, the listeners are going to choose uh, a song that they like. And we're talking to you because we would love them to choose 
uh, the song that we've got in our top 50, which is Your Bigger Than. Jacqueline, tell us a little bit about the story behind this particular song. So Your Bigger is a song where I really wanted to uh, pinpoint issues that according to natural circumstances, it is impossible for us to overcome. I couldn't get a whole lot of them in there but i've gotten people from all walks of life many testimonies sharing of how much they really saw god move in ways that they had not experienced before um and so what we have to understand is at the same time what is too big for us is just right for god every day you have to ask god to show me a side of you that i haven't seen before because i know that you're bigger than this you're bigger than what i've seen what i've seen is amazing but God now expose my mind and my understanding and my eyes to who you are on an even greater level. Brilliant. Would you introduce the record for us? Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am Ja'Kalen Carr and here's my song. joining us on the profile today i do hope you enjoyed both those interviews simon tuck in conversation with jacaylen carr and before that chris eaton as well if you did enjoy the show we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a rating and a review wherever you got this podcast from and if you're not listening as a podcast if you're listening on the radio then you can access past shows in fact over 200 episodes now of the profile available as a podcast just search for the profile wherever you normally get your podcast from or head to premierchristianradio.com forward slash the profile and as i say if you are enjoying this as a podcast we'd really appreciate a quick rating and a review it helps other people to discover the show that's it for this week we'll be back same time same place next week cheers